Hello and welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier, your host. And yes, I'm playing music. You might remember on last week's podcast episode, I talked about my feelings toward music and my revelation that I'm not as big of a fan of music as I thought and let myself off the hook about not having music in my intro or outro, which somehow inspired me to find music for my intro and outro. I feel like there's a lesson in there. Like once you accept who you are, you're able to stop being judgmental and um, creating difficulty for yourself and actually move on. So in the last week or so after recording the mystery episode, I started thinking, maybe maybe I will add some music to my episode. So that's what you're hearing. And I'm just testing it out. So it might be different next week, but I'm having fun with that. Um, let's move on to today's show. I have a few announcements. Number one, a huge thank you to everyone who has reviewed and rated my show on iTunes. I'm so humbled and I blush every time I see positive feedback. And if you've ever seen me in person, you've probably seen me blush. I blush all the time. Like in high school, when I saw the guy I had a crush on walk down the hall, my whole body turned red. Um, so I'm kind of doing that every time I see a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for that. I want to say that if you haven't left a review yet, please consider doing so as it helps more people find it. And it also makes me feel good. So like when you're hugged by a teddy bear like that. Number two, the Speaking School for Women is back. It launches September 26th, and it's only open to 20 students. So if you're thinking about becoming a paid speaker and want to learn how to do this so you're not wasting tons of time and missing out on paid speaking gigs, this live six-week online course is for you. You can check it out at my website, AngelaLucier.us. That's L-U-S-S as in Sam, I-E-R, dot U-S. Click on Speaker School, and all the information is there. Number three, random announcement. Today marks my three-year anniversary of owning my, my 1893 Victorian house with my husband. I mentioned this because becoming a homeowner was a huge deal for me, and I really didn't think I was going to be good at it. It turns out I love it, and I've learned a ton about what it takes to care for a giant pile of wood that was built over 110 years ago. And I surprise myself over and over again with what I'm able to fix and figure out and do in the house. And that sort of takes us to today's interview where we talk about how to build confidence through taking chances. See what I did there with that segue? <laughs> I have a very special guest on my program today. She's hilarious, she's brilliant, and she's someone I'm lucky enough to call a friend. We go deep into the topic of self-sabotage and, spoiler alert, how common it is. Because it's, like, everywhere. I won't ruin the rest for you, but just know you have to listen to this interview. It's awesome. So without further ado, my interview with the one and only Kelly Coffey. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Kelly Coffey. Kelly Coffey is the voice behind the blog at strongcoffee.com. Coffey is a personal trainer who used to weigh 300 pounds. She's helping women who struggle with their weight and their choices to get happily grounded in healthier habits. Her work gets down to the root of why we sabotage ourselves, and the tools she teaches are just as relevant to women in business as they are to women who are trying to improve their health. She's also a top speaker on wellness, weight loss, and sustainable habit change. Kelly, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much, Angela. (laughs) I I guess in full disclosure, I must say that not only is Kelly an amazing blogger and teacher and personal trainer and, you know, social media guru, but she's also a friend and (laughs) like an actual friend, like an actual in real life friend. And we share popcorn together and chocolate and talk about crazy stuff. (laughs) And right before we started recording this podcast, we both said how tired we are today and we decided we're going to do the interview anyway because we are warriors um, in our own business and sometimes when you're tired you still have to do the work and so maybe you'll get to hear us in rare form today. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> and maybe take take breaks to have a, a slug of coffee as we get through our interview. Just to illustrate how off I am right now, I don't even have a cup of coffee in my hand. Oh my god. I know. <laughs> I know. It's okay. (laughs) Well, I'll be drinking some for you um, you. so you can listen to me and maybe that will help. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought we should start with a little bit of background. You've been a professional trainer, personal trainer for 10 plus years. How did you get into teaching a course on self-sabotage? That is an excellent question, Angela. (laughs) So yes, I, I, I had been training clients one-on-one and teaching a handful of exercise classes for years. Um, And I was very happy with that career. And then one day, a client of mine in my studio was listening to me uh, rant and rave about emotions and how they inform our ability to make healthy changes and, and, and how, you know, demons from our past can keep us from making sound choices in the present and and she stopped me dead in my tracks and she said I need my daughter to hear everything that you're saying so can you like send it to me in an email or something so I can forward it to her and I just chuckled and she said no 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 wait you should have a blog and I said that's just what the world needs is somebody else freaking blogging, right? <laughs> Not interested. Thank you. She said, no, 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 but you really actually should have a blog. So I, I, you know, just as an exercise in satisfying one of my longtime customers, I started a blog and wrote a piece uh, that ended up going viral all over the planet called uh, Five Things I Miss About Weighing Over 300 Pounds. And... Uh, based on the emails, hundreds of emails that I got in response to that blog post, I uh, decided to create a course to teach people the one thing that they felt like they could learn from me that they wouldn't be able necessarily to learn from any other fitness professional, which was specifically how to maintain healthy habits for life when you default to anything but healthy choices. When all you want to do is smoke cigarettes, drink beer, pop bonbons, and watch, oh, I don't know, The Bachelorette. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with The Bachelorette. No, I'm sure there's not. (laughs) So I created this course. I started two years ago. Uh, It has gone through several drafts. And today it is uh, this extraordinary, this extraordinary sort of, it's its own being. It's called Pleasure Principles. It has a support community attached to it. 
that has hundreds of members who are active uh, and we support each other and engage with one another in a private secret Facebook group that I moderate every day. And I am officially easily the luckiest person I know because I get to do what I do for work and help women like me feel happy and, uh, and comfortable in their bodies. How did you discover what you teach or did, where did you learn that in order to, you know, be able to put this together and offer something so valuable to these women who are struggling with sabotage, self-sabotage? Well, uh, it's sort of like a fish isn't conscious that it's in water. Like these were things that I had been doing since I lost my weight and since I began to live my life in a healthier way, but they weren't things that I ever necessarily put words to until people were sending me emails after that blog post went viral asking me, you know, what do you do? How do you, how have you managed to accomplish this? And I sat down and I started to think about, well, what is it that I do? How is it that I make the choice that I want to have made when all of these forces inside me are urging me to make a choice that in the moment is going to feel good, but that's ultimately going to leave me hurting on the other side. Like, what do I do? What do I think? What is the process that I go through? And so um, creating the course, outlining what I would teach in the course, helped me to become conscious of these uh these habits that I had gotten into, these mental tricks, these ways of thinking about the choices that I make that I hadn't been conscious of before. I'm so glad you said that because I think, you know, as I'm teaching women how to become speakers and how to pull in experiences from their own lives and experiences they have, choices they've made, what has brought them to their success, they often discount their actions because they think like, well, I just do that. Like, how is that valuable to other people? I just, mm. I just know how to do it. And the fact that you were able to kind of like reverse engineer your actions and put them down on paper and turn them into a course that is actually you know, making you thousands of dollars and helping thousands of people should say to everyone listening, wait a minute, I should actually take a second look at my behaviors and my choices because there's probably value in that that I could give to my audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, just ask yourself, like, what is the thing that people come to you for advice around? Mm -hmm. You know, what is it that people consider you an expert on? whether or not you think you're an expert. And you probably don't because you're female and you probably think you're a fraud. But set that aside for a second, <laughs> yeah. just, just for long enough to, you know, huh, what, you know, and probably you'll find that, that, you know, you're consistently asked for advice around one or two different things. And if you sat down and, and really thoughtfully laid out um, how it is you approach those problems, you would find that you have something really helpful and probably marketable mm -hmm. to offer the world. Awesome. So who would you say could benefit the most from your course? That's a good question. I have, um, I have, I have a lot of experience at this point watching people go through the course and then practice the principles in their lives. And I would say that the woman who stands to benefit most is the one with the longest history of stopping and starting, yo-yo dieting, 
making, you know, New Year's resolutions and then promptly or not so promptly ditching them. The woman who has um, a lot of direct experience with feeling disappointed that she has, quote unquote, failed yet again. Mm. She is the one for whom I believe there's there's really no there's no viable alternative um, to the principles. The principles are the tool that enables that person to finally be consistent in making healthy choices and to finally develop a lifestyle that is sustainable and that brings her joy and that leaves her healthier and more comfortable in her body on the other side. Mm. I guess that gets to the heart of the reason I felt like I really wanted to have you on my podcast. And that is that I see women who want to become speakers and they work really hard to pick a topic. They work really hard to build their website, their webpage that kind of goes over all their speaker background. And then they create their talk and then they don't attempt to book any gigs. They, they put everything in place and then they stop. And <laughs> so I'm wondering why do you think they're stopping themselves and what advice do you have for them? Well, I think they're probably stopping themselves because they're afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's certainly a, a fear that I share. Some really good advice that I got, maybe from you, <laughs> was to go out of your way to be rejected. Yeah. Was that from you? Did yeah. you tell me to do that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> like set it as your goal to be rejected some absurd number of times, like 30 times. Yep. And, you know, that's tremendous advice because it gives you permission to F up. Can I say the F word? Sure. Oh, thank you. All right. I'll, I'll put that in my pocket for later. Um <laughs> You know, it, 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 it opens every door because suddenly the pressure is off to be perfect. The pressure is off to land the ideal gig. The pressure is off to make X amount of dollars from your speaking. All you have to do is put yourself out there expressly to be rejected. And it's fabulous because it gets you experience in the process of soliciting gigs it gets you experience in the process of just picking up the phone if people ever pick up the phone anymore or sending emails you know finding out who to talk to like all of the experience that we need to get in order to feel confident that we're actually speakers is you know we get in the work that we have to do in order to get rejected and so the the more we put ourselves out there uh, the more sort of uh, valid we feel when we say to someone, oh, I'm a public speaker because we've done all that legwork. Why do you think we sabotage ourselves? I think that we, um, when it comes to public speaking anyway, sabotage ourselves because we are afraid of being, um, we're afraid we're afraid of being criticized and we're afraid of being thought of as frauds in front of an audience. And those fears keep us from being of service to people. And it's really tragic. And I got to tell you that like 
you know, I'm, I'm considered a, a top speaker in health and wellness, and I feel like a fraud from the moment I get up there, usually until the moment I, I sit down. Um, the difference between me and people who aren't up on that stage yet is that I, um, I choose to put myself there anyway, and I choose to behave like a woman who belongs on that stage for the time that I'm up there. Because why the hell not? You know, there I am. And I think that that's the bit of advice that I would give to anyone who's afraid or feeling like a fraud. You know, first go out there, solicit gigs, allow yourself to get rejected. When you finally do land a gig, no matter how you feel about yourself or how, you know, fraudulent you feel, get up on that stage and then behave like a woman who belongs on that stage, who's got good things to say. And that will help you deliver a strong speech. The audience will pick up on your energy. And the feedback that you get from them will help you to feel, you know, sort of a little tiny crack, the, the crack of light that sneaks through the, the, the blinds, like, oh, maybe I am the real thing. Oh, maybe I do have good things to say, you know. So that's the advice that I would give. Can we talk about your talk you gave in St. Louis? Sure we can. Because <laughs> I think it's a really good illustration of what you're talking about right now. And I want to share it from my perspective, and then I want you to share it from your perspective. Because I remember when you were asked to speak at this conference, and it's a major conference that all of the top names in the fitness industry go to each year. It's been going on for years, and you were like the only woman speaking, right? Uh, I was one of very few women speaking. Okay, one of a few women. And... I went to your house and you were sort of, sort of overwhelmed. I don't know. I don't even know the right words and you can share it in your part of the story. You were like, I don't, I don't really know what to say. This is a group of my peers, but they're all like respected. They're all people who have reputations, big followings. I don't want to mess this up. What should I say? You know, and we worked on this, this speech together for probably a couple months and you, you were, you know, Probably not 100% confident, but you did exactly what you just said to do. You got on stage. You owned it. You you got up there like you were someone who should be there and, you know, needed to be heard. And after your speech, you connected with some of the biggest names in your industry. You're, you're now friends with and connected to people who have been in this field for years who see you now as an authority, an expert, and someone they trust and would go to for advice. Mm -hmm. And you're being asked to speak on more stages. And I think this is a great illustration of your advice because you were someone who saw yourself as an internet sensation. You know, you're someone who has this amazing course that women can take online and they can change their lives. But in terms of being a leader in your field, is that someone I am? Is that someone I can be? And then you went and you found out you are that person. <laughs> and that's how the world sees you. And it's so funny to get that confirmation. And so I thought it'd be great to just share what I saw, but then also hear from your perspective how that went down and how you feel about it. What's funny is that I never, I never imagined, I never imagined for a second, I never even played with the thought of, oh, maybe this will establish me as a thought leader. I just didn't want to get up on the stage and um and uh the, the, the audience into a deep sleep, you know? I just didn't, 
I just didn't want to mess up in some insanely huge catastrophic way. That's all. That was sort of my goal was to not feel mortified <laughs> when I got down off the stage. And and just just that as my goal felt like a lot. And I obsessed about that moment, that hour when I was supposed to talk for months before it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And uh and you know, I, I I prepared not as well as I could have. You know, I, I wasn't as familiar with the technology that I was going to use as I could have been and should have been. And, you know, I arrived in St. Louis on Thursday, and I was the second speaker on Friday morning. I spent Thursday afternoon redoing my slides <laughs> on my Chromebook in my hotel room. You know, I mean, this was very slapdash. Not not really. I mean, this is a story. The content of my talk were was pieces of a story that I've been telling for years. And so I was very comfortable with the content. Uh, but the idea of putting it together in a in a thoughtful way that sort of led to a crescendo, all of that was totally foreign to me. Uh, but I knew where I wanted to go. I knew where I wanted to bring my audience emotionally. And I got up there and I did the best that I could at being myself while following this sort of path that I had that I had carved for myself through my story, through my content. And uh, being familiar with the story that I was telling and sort of inhabiting my space, you know, standing up tall, taking deep breaths, making eye contact with the audience, I did a better job of relaying the content that I was there to relay than I ever imagined. And eventually I realized that I was in a conversation with the people who were in the room and it was just so invigorating to realize mid-speech, mid-talk, that they had no idea that I didn't belong there. (laughs) Yeah. They had no clue. (laughs) They were completely engaged. They were excited about my talk. And I took my cue from them, and they totally fueled me through to the end. And uh, not only did I not catastrophically fail, but I, like, really brilliantly uh, executed a talk that people are still people are still talking about mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think that's when the moment of confidence appears is when you surprise yourself by challenging yourself more than you think you're you're capable of handling and then you actually surpass your own expectations and that's when it's like oh wow i can do this but you have to first do it right you have to be in the moment <laughs> to be able to experience that you have to be on the stage in front of an audience in order to set yourself up for the experience that will enable you to feel valid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the challenge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I want to get back to self-sabotage for a minute. How can we tell when we're sabotaging ourselves? Because I think some people, and I know I do this, I think I've come up with these super um, s- sort of um, like high-level like tricks I play on myself they're like very sophisticated like I can't tell I'm sabotaging myself because I'll tell myself stories like well you know I earned this day off so I don't have to 
book any more speaking gigs this week Mm -hmm. and then the next day I'll feel guilty about it because I'm like why didn't I just work yesterday and do the thing I said I was going to do instead of like giving myself this day off when I was really just avoiding the work I wanted to do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like how do how can we tell when we're playing tricks with ourselves (laughs) and move past those well first we have to get clear on what the commitment is Um, it's hard to know if you're sabotaging yourself if you don't have a clear goal in mind. So let's say that your stated goal for the day or the week is to, you know, be rejected by someone who might could uh, bring you on as a speaker. So you need to, um, you know, you, you need to hold your goal sort of atmospherically in mind as you make your way through your day. And then when opportunities present themselves for you to make a choice between making that phone call or sending that email or alphabetizing your CDs, if people have CDs anymore, <laughs> God, I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you start walking toward the wall of ABBA CDs, you, you, in that moment, can become conscious of the fact that you're about to walk away from your commitment. You're about to disregard this thing that you have set as your goal. And in that moment, if you were to stop and ask yourself, well, what's driving me to walk toward the CDs and away from the computer to send this email? If you stop and consider it and you check in with yourself, you probably discover that you feel tremendous discomfort, probably somewhere in your chest or the pit of your stomach, because the idea of actually being rejected is hugely unpleasant and creates all of this panic and anxiety and this feeling of not being able to take a deep breath. And of course, you're going to want to walk away from that feeling. Of course, you're going to want to walk towards something that's easy and light and kind of inconsequential and whatever, because because you don't want to hurt. You don't want to ache. So if you become conscious of the fact that your own discomfort is what's driving you away from meeting your goal, you can say to yourself, you know what? Sending this email is not going to kill me. Sending this email is not actually going to hurt me physically. It's going to be uncomfortable until it's done. And then it's going to be done. And then I can breathe again. But you have to become conscious of why it is you don't want to do what you've set out to do so that you can then make a mindful choice to do it anyway and then experience the relief of having met your goal on the other side. And every time you do that, it gets easier to do. Every time you become conscious of the fact that you're walking away from your goal, check in with yourself, recognize why, and then make the choice anyway, it gets easier to do the next time. Well, I think another thing you just did was have a a reality check. Like there's a conversation that takes place in there about the reality of the situation. Like if I email someone and they reject me, nothing bad happens. I don't die. And I think having that conversation about the gravity of, of the discomfort is helpful to just bring it down to the level that's more real than imagined because we do have this ability to imagine things to be way worse than they are. 
Yes. And something else that I would advise is not to take it personally, hmm. which is like impossible for women who have empathy and who are keyed in. You know, we take everything so personally. The truth of the matter is, if you solicit a speaking gig and you get rejected, you know, there are a million reasons why you were rejected. Either, you know, the timing's not right, the content isn't just right, you know, maybe the person who's booking the gigs has a vision for, you know, what they want the stage to look like demographically. Like, there are so many factors that go into who gets booked and who doesn't. And your first reaction is going to be, oh, my God, I'm no good. This is stupid. This was a stupid idea. Why did I even try? And, you know, just anticipate that that's how you're going to feel. And then let your brain be a part of the conversation to remind you that that's not actually a reflection of reality. Mm. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you think self-sabotage is more common than we think? And I ask this question because the more women I meet who are leaders or own their own business, if I meet them at a networking event, they're extremely confident, they're happy, they're excited to share, they want to connect, they want to help. And then once I get to know them more and we have more private conversations, I find out every day they feel like a fraud. They're constantly worried that they're going to be found out. They're worried that they'll be rejected and that they'll fall from this high level they're at or that tomorrow their business will close the doors. And I think, wow, like the way that we're projecting ourselves in everyday life we come off like we're confident and we're prepared and we're, we've got these leadership qualities, but then in, in the dark closets of our home, we're crying and you know, we're like, what have I done? <laughs> so I'm wondering, do you think self-sabotage is more common than we think? And, and what do you think about that? <laughs> I think that, um, I think that, well, I've yet to meet a woman who doesn't struggle with feeling confident that she belongs at a, at a sort of a high level. Um, I, I have yet to meet a woman who owns her success without question. Um, and it, it's tragic, but the fact that it's so totally universal is kind of comforting it means that it means that it's just sort of the condition of being a woman a successful woman in business um it doesn't make it any easier necessarily doesn't make it any more pleasant necessarily but i think acknowledging that feeling like a fraud is uh, universal experience for most women in business can take some of the pressure off and help you to just keep on keeping on because you know that it's not just you. And if it's not just you, then there's probably something about it that, I don't know, that, that means that it's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right about it being comforting because I do sort of feel like when I have those like backroom conversations we can just talk about those moments in life when you think like maybe I should just go get a job <laughs> <laughs> oh my god don't do that because <laughs> everything is so hard yeah. but yeah I, yeah you're right like there's 
that's just part of the human condition. Like you can't just always be optimistic. You can't just always like be feeling like a hundred percent confident. There are moments that will knock you down and just to be ready for those and to recognize that that's all part of the package will help you to deal with them. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with self-sabotage? I deal with it the same way that I, um, that I suggest in my, in my pleasure principles practice. You know, I, I get really clear with myself about what my daily goals are and what my boundaries are. And, you know, I write them down if necessary. And then when I'm, you know, at a crossroads, when I'm faced with a decision and I feel myself being tugged away from meeting my goal or holding my boundary, I take a moment, usually it's just one breath is all I need, to ask myself what it is that's driving me away from doing the work that I want to do. And I acknowledge the discomfort, I acknowledge the anxiety, I acknowledge the fear and in acknowledging it, I take the power out of it. I take the steam out of it. I knock the legs right out from underneath it. And in that moment, I have the power to make the choice that I want to have made. And more often than not, that's what I do. And then, uh, and I think that this is pretty important, on the other side of having made that choice I talk about it positively with other people. Like I reflect, you know, part of me, part of me wants to talk about that speech in St. Louis by saying all of the things that I did wrong and all of the ways that I messed up and all of the slides that I forgot to include and how I could have dressed better and my hair probably could have been nicer and oh, wasn't that part embarrassing? And and those kind of negative talking yourself down ways of reflecting on something that you've done all fuel self-sabotage, all fuel that anxiety and the fear and the idea that you're not good enough, that you didn't belong there. Instead, I choose to talk about it with confidence and to say all the things that went well and talk about how engaged the audience was and how well I delivered my content because all of that is true too. You know, it's kind of like that old Native American fable thing, like there are the two wolves, which one are you going to feed? I'm going to feed the happy, positive wolf who thinks that I did a fucking great job on that stage. Because if I feed that wolf, I'm going to be able to be great on the stage the next time I get up and the next time I get up and I'm just going to build, it's going to be a snowball, a positive snowball. And and that's important because I too easily... Um, for my whole life, especially before I lost my weight, fed that negative wolf, that self-hating wolf, that wolf that could only pay attention to my flaws and my faults and how I messed up. And I take responsibility for where I focus my attention today, not just in the moment of decision, but after the decision has been made, because I am invested in building the best life, the best business and being of maximum service for this brief little period that I get to walk around on the planet. Wow. You woke up. (laughs) You woke up. That was awesome. And I wish I had the applause like sound effect I could just like throw in here. I don't think I will throw that in here, by the way. Yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) 
you ever need a monologue for your website, I will cut that up and send it to you. Thanks. Um, awesome. So is there anything else you want to add on the topic of self-sabotage before we jump into the lightning round? Uh, um, to be, uh, to, to have sort of uh, reasonable expectations for yourself. So I've just given you this thing that you can do, right? Recognize when you're about to walk away from your goal. Check in with yourself. Why? What's fueling that? Now feel empowered to make the choice that you want to make and talk about it in a positive way on the other side. I've just given you this tool that would be tremendously helpful every minute of every day while you build this business, while you create this speaking career for yourself. And you know what? You're not always going to do it. You're not always going to do that. You're not always going to take the moment to recognize that you're walking away. You're not always going to feel like checking in with your body. You're not always going to choose to respond in a way that's going to support you meeting your goals. You're just not. It's not going to happen. And you know what? That's okay. Because the next time you have a choice, maybe that time you'll practice. And if not then, maybe the next time. Mm. Right? This is a process and it takes time and practice, just like anything that doesn't come naturally. And eventually, if you keep forgiving yourself for not having done it, there's going to come a moment when you practice and you get through to the other side, having met your goal, having kept your commitment, and the confidence that you'll feel and the pride that you'll feel will fuel the next time that you do it. So I, you know, Compassion is a hugely overused word, and I hate all of the authenticity, compassion, I hate all that shit. But really what it is, is, is allowing yourself to, to view yourself with compassion as you get better and better with choosing to practice, not sabotaging yourself. And if you have a really hard time with doing that, taking my class could be hugely helpful, the Pleasure Principles class. Yeah, how do people find the Pleasure Principles um well they can go to the page that i set up all about it and i'll email that to you it's strongcoffee.com slash pleasure principles ecourse um you can also just do a search on it online pleasure principles strong coffee coffee is spelled e-y c-o-f-f-e-y um yeah awesome well let's do the five quick questions before we wrap up Okay. Number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women in business? Uh, <laughs> remember that nothing is impossible. Hmm. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? If you, do, if you didn't do it yesterday, it doesn't mean that you can't do it today. Hmm. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, my God, stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, what advice do you have for your 95-year-old self? You could probably start drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> and number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? Uh, a very large coffee mug. <laughs> cool. So you're obviously thinking about that now. Like, when is this going to end so I can go have some coffee? Yeah, dude. Can we um, wrap this up, please? Yeah. One last question. <laughs> Lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? 
to stand with my shoulders back and my head up, making eye contact with my audience and speaking in an outside voice. <laughs> You've been hanging out with kids lately, I assume. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And if I had a dollar for every time I said, use your indoor voice, I'd be rich. <laughs> awesome is there anything else you want to mention anything else we can we find you on social media oh yeah please i'm on instagram at strong coffee gram again coffee is c-o-f-f-e-y i'm on facebook under strong coffee personal training and my website is strongcoffee.com please come find me please send me an email i love getting emails from people and i hope to have a chance to support whoever uh whoever needs some support in ditching self-sabotage in my class. Yeah, and you have an email newsletter, right? You put your blogs in there? I do, yeah. And you can easily sign up for that on my website, strongcoffee.com. Yeah, if, if anyone listening hasn't read one of Kelly's blog posts, please do yourself a favor and go to her website today and read one because she is an awesome writer. She's hilarious. She's so honest and it's always like there's always a great tidbit in there that you walk away with and go, huh, I never really thought about it that way because she just has her own take on things. It's not like that same old BS that you read about health and fitness. It's like, you know, it, it really hits you hard and it makes you think about your own choices. So definitely check that out. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I know we were both sleepy, but we got through it and uh, I really appreciate everything you shared. You know what? We did a great job, Angela. We did. And we have sexy voices, too. That's right. That's and that's right. all that matters. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks again. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Don't forget to leave a review if you have not yet on iTunes. I'd be super grateful and maybe even mail you a lollipop if you send me, an, if you send me your address in an email. You could go to my contact form on my website. And don't forget about speaking school. It's back and better than ever. All the details are at my website, angelalucier.us. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my mailing list to get public speaking tips, random hilarious stories, discounts, and special offers. Oh, and I finally decided how I'd like to end my show each time with my motto. Stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.